Hello and welcome to the podcast, The Breathing Body. In this podcast, I invite you to journey through conversations which share the fascination of the physical matter we inhabit, the breathing body. We will explore its inherent intelligence, movement, healing, and much more. My name is Verena and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm an osteopath with a background in dance and yoga and based in London where I practice, lecture and research. And I'm so happy that you are here. Thank you. I'm incredibly excited to have my dear friend and teacher, Helen Noakes, on the show today. A woman who is following her golden path with so much passion and trust and love. And I felt newly inspired after this conversation to listen to all the signs and impulses we receive, even if we don't know yet where they lead us to and to really connect to my body, knowing it knows my body is my best teacher. Helen is a nomadic yoga teacher inspired by the teachings and students of Vanda Scaravelli, who was, is the author of the book Awakening the Spine. And that is actually how I met Helen initially on a yoga workshop in Switzerland, and shortly after on her yoga teacher training in India. And it was the beginning of a love story, all about to listen to the song of our body, my body, and work with it rather than against. Helen also offers training in Chavuti Thirumal, I hope I pronounced that correctly, <laughs> massage, which, which is massage by foot pressure. And this has a strong influence on her teaching style. She is passionate about spontaneous, intuitive movement in the form of waves and spirals and includes her love of ecstatic dance into her teaching. Helen's aim is to invite a lightness of being and joy to our movement practice and to encourage others to listen and respond to their intuition with safety and awareness. Her teaching, her teachings have no methods or set sequences and are mainly improvisational. And this approach encourages the practitioner to create a strong relationship to the ground, breath, and to awaken the spine. We talked about Helen's journey, which led her to do what she's doing today and all the experiences on the way which gave her inspiration and insight and what she is practicing today to keep literally plugged in into her body, which is our temple and our best teacher. I hope you will enjoy our conversation and I'm looking forward reading your thoughts and comments about it on Instagram or Facebook or any podcast platform you are listening from at the moment. You can see where to find me and the breathing body in the show notes. Enjoy. We have today Helen Noakes joining us from Greece. Helen, it's a real 
It's an honor, a pleasure, and I just feel so much love that you are here and that you are willing to talk with me and share with all the listeners a little bit about your journey, your story, and yeah, your view on movement, touch, and healing, which I know is is what your life is all about. And I know is what you are inspiring so many other people and students about. And yeah, first of all, thank you for that, because I have to say one more time, Helen, that we have met in in Switzerland, that's for sure, 10 years ago um, in a yoga workshop, which was literally life-changing for me in a way that you were the one who, for the first time in my life, <laughs> taught, you helped me to know what it means and what it feels if one follows one passion and calling. And on that note, I think it would be wonderful if we start this conversation, if you wouldn't mind to share your yoga journey started in 1993 in Australia when you discovered Iyengar. But before that, you worked in a completely, also, yeah, in a different industry, you worked as a makeup artist. And yeah, tell us what was, how did you come from working as a makeup artist to now earning all your living as a yoga movement teacher? Was that always a calling and a passion? Oh, great questions, Verena. <clears throat> Thank you so much. I'm I'm so honoured to be here with you, and I remember exactly the moment I met you in um in Lucerne, and um, you had a huge impact on me and um, and our dear friend Esther. So um, thank you to her for bringing us together, and um, thank you so much for um, it, us meeting on this Sunday um, afternoon. And um, it's a bit outside, I just wanted to be outside, so we're with the elements, which is my major inspiration anyway. So yeah, thanks for that great question. Um, I had a real calling to do makeup and makeup actually when I was very young and I used to practice on myself in the 80s because in the, in the 80s we just covered ourselves in a lot of makeup um, all the time <laughs> and uh, and then I realized that um, I um, started to study a little bit of, of makeup at home by myself and then um I, I, I applied to be at the London College of Fashion but didn't get in because I, quite frankly, I wasn't talented enough to be a makeup artist. But to cut, to cut a very long story short, I ended up being a wig dresser. And uh, my auntie, my mother's sister, um, still is a very uh, wonderful wig dresser for film and TV. And she showed me, I applied for a job at the um, English National Opera whilst doing a temporary job in the day. So I, would, I had an evening job. And she showed me how to put a wig on the night before and I went for the interview <laughs> and got it. And I basically trained on the job working at English National Opera in, um, in Comet Garden um, and um, the Coliseum is the building. And that was um, a fantastic experience because I was thrown in literally at the deep end. Like my first opera was um, 
giving mm-hmm. loads of ball caps to um, tons of actors, mm-hmm. and uh, and all the wig room were, you know, they were extremely talented bunch of people. Mm-hmm. So they really took me under my wing and made some lifelong friends who I'm still friends with now. Mm-hmm. Those that are still alive, <laughs> and uh, we, um, I just learned how to be in people's. Um, field very close because mm-hmm. it's a very intimate thing to touch someone's head as you know working in the field that you're in with osteopathy um the head is it gives such a it's such a major connection and uh, it's very intimate so one had to learn how to be intimate in different situations with different people and different actors and singers by the way opera singers are very different to actors um they they, they emit a certain energy so you knew when you went into a dressing room how to be like whether to be quiet or whether to be chatty and of course I was young I was 18 so 18 19 so I was a complete and absolute beginner and um, I was in you know a fabulous atmosphere of course you know everybody's was open about their sexuality so everybody could be who they wanted to be there were no boundaries everybody was open and accepting for everything and um, so and then um I, I was working every day, I, I was pretty much working six days a week, every day and every night. As, as, you know, as we know, living in London, you know, we had to pay the rent. <laughs> had yeah. to pay the rent. So, uh, yeah, we, yeah, same, nothing changes. So we, um, I was really working and um, partying and obviously I had loads of energy. And then, um, I, thankfully, there was a job coming up at the National Theatre, so I, I, um, was very very grateful to work there for a number of years and we went on to, I went on tour um, with a, a play called Rich the Third and I was very very blessed to be beyond that um, to be again working with people we were um, eight shows a week and we traveled through east 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 to west uh, um, through the um, United States and um, so again you learned about not only live it you know you had to live with people we had to get people going you know you do the same show eight times a week it's a very long Shakespearean play as you know mm-hmm. and in the end you, you start ending up doing crazy things on the side of stage trying to make people laugh and you know you end up being a real team and those people that I went on tour with mm-hmm. inevitably ended up being extremely accomplished actors um, and I'll never forget that um, that time with them it was really special Mm-hmm. And uh, we were treated very, very well. And so I had the money then to go traveling. I that's, see. So I left. I left everything. And, um, and that's how I, well, I had a dream to go to Australia. Mm-hmm. And, um, and on the way, I happened to pop into Asia on the way and end up staying in Asia for a much longer time than mm-hmm. I ever imagined, mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, ended up working at the Sydney Opera House for some unknown reason and ended up designing for them because I had was very, very blessed to have excellent training. And it was then when I was living in Melbourne, actually before that, when I was traveling in Thailand, I somehow just ended up doing yoga on the beach, meeting people. Mm-hmm. I mean, Thailand then was nothing compared to how it was then. That was mm-hmm. in 93. So um, we uh, just ended up kind of doing yoga on the beach and I really enjoyed it and I didn't know what was happening I didn't know I had no training mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I just ended up doing on the beach and then and then I, I moved to Melbourne for a while working for the, for the um, National Ballet mm-hmm. incredible because I ended up working with Baz Luhrmann and, on, and really incredible directors um, so 
so uh, that was just phenomenal to be in that scene. And uh, yeah, and so I, I went, I found this little studio around the corner where I was staying, um, right downtown. And this beautiful woman was teaching um, yoga inspired by Ayanga. And she was very gentle and soft and loving. And it was her loving presence that really kind of took me in her arms. And she introduced me to um, Mata Amritanandamai Ma, Amma, Amaji, the hugging guru. Had yeah. actually come. She'd actually come to her studio. She had hosted her. This was this was a long time ago. So um, I thought, wow, she's cool. So I ended up playing with her, and then mm-hmm. traveling and more traveling, and mm-hmm. make it made a home back in England. And I started more Iyengar classes um, in Brighton, where I ended up living. And that's when, of course, when I met, um, I happened mm-hmm. to find natural bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, which is Gary Carrie Carter's business a company, mm-hmm. and um, and I've since then been to India. I'd met Amma. Um, mm-hmm. I did a, some massage training. I would I was already um, massaging mm-hmm. da da da. And I, so in the end, it kind of happened that when I was on my trip, um, I actually did this podcast with Gary talking about exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. When I was on my big two year trip. Um, which was meant to be one year, but it ended up being two years. I met this when I was just your age, okay? I was wow. just your age, mm-hmm. and um, I sat with this amazing Spanish woman, and she's a tarot card reader, and I said, look, I'm in wigs, I'm in makeup. Um, I really want a change of um, career. I don't want to work these long hours anymore. I want to be outside, mm-hmm. um, you know, starting to go to festivals. Mm-hmm. Being in England, that's that's what you do. And um, she said, yes, you're going to be learning massage. You're going to be traveling to India. You're going to be doing a lot of yoga. And I was like, I don't want to go to India. No, thanks. <laughs> and then um, everything she said came true. Absolutely. Everything. I even wrote it down. Mm-hmm. Absolutely everything she said came true to the detail. And so I followed everything she did. So I went back and trained in Swedish massage with Claire Maxwell Hudson mm-hmm. I met Gary, everything just flowed. And I went to India and learned Chavuti Tiramel, massage by foot pressure. And everything flowed. Everything just uh, opened up. And I really took the risk and I really trusted what she said. And I really had faith in this is what I wanted to do. And um, so I got a job at, while this was all happening, I got a job at Glindbourne um, at the opera. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, in Lewis. Mm-hmm. And um, so while I, they were really supportive because I was massaging everybody, um, they really were helpful in my, um, in my teacher training. They were really supportive. So I um, had a beautiful transition. So I was able to slowly transition from my old job. Um, Gary then gave me a room in his studio, so I was giving treatments there mm-hmm. and in other places in Brighton. And slowly and gradually, when he um, opened up his program, um, I said, um, I really want to join your teacher training and mm-hmm. you don't have a choice. Here I am. And I basically submitted my application and said, I'm coming. And he said, okay. And um, that's how it all started. And we, he was so wonderful. He really embraced me in his studio as part of the team. Mm-hmm. And I was giving treatments and, massage mm-hmm. and um, doing his training. Mm-hmm. I was so lucky. 
Mm. blessed whatever you want to call it everything aligned because I really trusted and knew Mm -hmm. that this is what I wanted to do and Mm -hmm. because I was coming through my Saturn return if you're into astrology Mm -hmm. um that's a big that that represented that was my big life change Mm -hmm. um from leaving a job that was very steady Mm -hmm. steady income and you know it was was Mm -hmm. great time we had a great time had a wonderful time at Glyndebourne um but I really knew that my body is my gut instinct. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, not, was, it was all my, my gut, my heart, my head. It was mm-hmm. definitely saying, do this. And, um, and that's, that's started the love affair with India. And uh, that was it, you know, every winter. Mm-hmm. And then a, a good friend of mine, Julie, um, she said, come and help me open a yoga center. And Bob's your uncle. That's how it happened. And she encouraged me to teach massage and it just it mm-hmm. like india does it just allows you to open up and, and it I just it just rolled out you could yeah yeah go with the flow you are all uh, you are saying so many <laughs> um so many wonderful inspirational things where i think oh tell us more about this and that um i think one thing which really touches me and i think is an inspiration for all of us that i get this sense that You were loving into your journey. You were loving into unexpected things you met, into changes. Um, you were, you knew it's all right. Is that you? Yes. You were loving into it <laughs> and just yes. going with it. And the other thing, which what I really touched me, or what I noticed now that you, I know your story a little bit, but um, not in too much depth either. Um, when you shared, you start working as a makeup artist. And when you shared how you noticed what it means to touch someone's heads and that different people receive, perceive, meet, touch differently. And immediately you get a sense of how someone wants to be met or touched. And it made me realize, wow, even though, yeah, you came from working with opera and artists and now you are a movement yoga teacher, your work was always about bodies about meeting on different levels but it was always about about also very the physical matter of of bodies and touch bodies through different media whilst once you touch them with makeup tools you might now touch them with your feet or hands Um, and I would love to hear more about what What does that, have you always been fascinated about the body movements or when, when was that point where you very consciously maybe noticed, wow, that's, that's the path I want to go down? That's such a good question. I think it was an organic process, Florina. Mm -hmm. It was a really organic process. Mm -hmm. Um, At first, because you're, you know, I was so young, and there was um, a part of my nervous system, um, the people pleasing part, and the fawning was very up. And um, because, you know, sometimes when you're with people who you admire, or you know, you you put on a pedestal, whatever, you know, you Mm -hmm. you notice how your confidence drops. But as soon as, as soon as, as soon as I realized I could trust my touch. And um, because when you put a wig on, you have to, especially if they've got long hair, you have to make pink curls and, um, and then you put a stocking. So it's not very attractive. And then, you know, the way that you touch someone 
um, help them feel at ease because obviously they're they're about to go on stage. It's a half hour call. It's very rushed. You have to see about six or seven people. I still have dreams about it all the time, actually, about being late and being in strange places. Um, and also, you have to notice how you smell, how you look, um, mm-hmm. what your fing- how your fingers are. Um, obviously, the hands have to be super to be clean and smell good. Um, and I would notice I, how I would immediately feel really good in some people's presence, and other people's presence, I would feel that I would have to be extremely quiet, and it was almost like a, a ritual or a meditative uh, kind of meditative movement. Um, in their in their field, um, other people it was just you know laughing and fun. Mm-hmm. So um, I think um, what what sparked my interest was that change of um, energy when you went into someone's field, mm-hmm. and um, and I realised that my body needed to feel. Um, good because we're in certain positions all the time so you know I'm, I'm like this all the time working on the wig block um, and you know you're bending over someone and I realized well you have to you know you have to be engaged with your feet you have to be engaged with your breath um, mm-hmm. and, and you and it really start to look at your body mechanics mm-hmm. and um, you know obviously being inspired living in Brighton was the best place because you had so many yoga studios and meeting Gary Mm-hmm. was a, a huge inspiration and of course I was massaging bodies at the time as well so I was mixing that so people would come and see me for massage in my breaks mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that also helped me um, mm-hmm. to um, awaken um, the sense of touch um, the sensory nerve endings in my hands and the feet um, mm-hmm. so I really much more in, I not only did I enjoy the creative process because we were always free to create what you, with wigs in, in the UK, you're, you're really free to create what you want. And, um, and then you have to make that creation fit that body. So not only it's about, it's not only how you touch them and how you present yourself and, and what you're feeling when you're in their field, you also have to mold the, the wig to their face. So you get a drawing from the director or the designer, sorry, the designer, and then you'd have to recreate that on the body so you'd get a drawing and then you'd have to make it in 3D. And then not only that, you have to create it on the wig block, which is, you know, obviously mm-hmm. faceless. And then it has to fit the person. So then you have to tweak it so it suits the person. So mm-hmm. you'd bring like ringlets down or um, mm-hmm. move it around a bit while it's on their head, while keeping them happy, while giving them encouragement. So, you know, you really have to be, you know, I'm not going to go into the wig room and say, oh, I had a really bad day today. And, did it, you know, and I was always like, this, this looks really good on you. I tried this today on your wig. What do you think? How would you do you like this? How, would, how do you feel in the wig? You know, so you really try to engage them in part of the creative mm-hmm. process, which is part of them preparing for um, going on stage. And um, I like the best was being on the side of stage doing quick changes. That's when I learned the most. I've got so. What did you learn in these moments? Oh my god, I could write a book about that. I have maybe I should. should. (laughs) Oh my goodness, I worked. I worked. um, I've got flashing so many memories, but there was one. What I learned basically was to trust myself, because you know I had a thirteen-second quick change with a beautiful actress who was playing Marilyn Monroe, Mm -hmm. and uh, I had to. She had. 
a wig. She had very short hair. She had a wig on, and I had to put another wig on top. And then she had to change complete costume, and then I had to put her rings on and put her wig on in 13 seconds. Wow. And one time, I put the wig on, and when she went on stage, it was starting to come off, and my legs buckled because I was. I watched her. Um, she was extremely intelligent and a very very high power energy very high frequency and uh, so <laughs> my legs buckled and I knew I was in so much trouble and she taught me how to face confrontation she called me into her dressing room we practiced again and we understood why it happened it was you know it, things like that happen all the time yeah. it's live theatre you know and um, that really helped me to um mature um mm -hmm. in that moment a little bit and and so all the quick changes you have to be there you have to be present you have to be happy you have to be they have to trust you completely so there's no space for fidgeting or um uh, not being sure you have to be absolutely sure and present in yourself with your feet on the ground grounded fully in your body fully present Mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and because they are relying on you mm -hmm. to get them ready to go on to that mm -hmm. in, the, in the quick change and mm -hmm. you're also working with the dresser with the costume person so you have to kind of find your spaciousness within that so the costume person's like doing something and then I'm kind of going around the back and at the side you know gluing stuff because quite often the lace would unglue because um, mm -hmm. you have a lace and then you have the real it's all real hair the hair would be sewn in and made beautifully. It's a, it's a complete art, a dying art, actually. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you'd have to glue on. And often things, you know, you'd have to touch things up. And in the National Theatre, um, where I had my, you know, so many experiences, we'd also have to be doing makeup. So I was doing special effects and with Rice Krispies and, you know, fabulous fun. So I learned so much. And we were continuously thrown in the deep end. Um, Gary used to do that to me quite a lot as well. It's like, okay, here you go, so, go and do this. <laughs> it's so inspirational, Helen, to hear how actually in an environment which could have been which is so hectic and could have been, you could have experienced it as pure stress and blah, how actually it's gifted you to what you said. You learned to trust yourself, to be present, to feel your feet, to just be fully there. And you mentioned before heart, heart guts and then heads. Um, and maybe on that note, I would love to hear you now several times mentioned how you were in Brighton and you met Gary What what happened when you met Gary? For all the people who do not know Gary, Gary is a most wonderful, wise UK-based. Um, he will be on the show at one point. He's many things: movement teacher, yoga teacher, fascia researcher. Just a wonderful person, and we both studied with Gary. You met him obviously before I met him. I met Gary because I met Helen. <laughs> so these are the people you all have to meet. <laughs> But yeah, tell us what what shifted in you when you met Gary. It was actually the way that he was expressing movement that that I was able to feel something completely new in my body. It was like I couldn't put it in words. Um, I love the way that he explained everything. That's like a storytelling, and he took you on a very deep journey, and it was completely different to 
and being told what shape to make, how to do it, what sequence, which is has a great place. Um, you know, I really enjoyed that. But he took it to the next level and um, and more, not just the next level, to many different levels. Um, and uh, I enjoyed how he held the space and the room and the people. And, you know, I met him when he was starting to work with Tom Myers. So mm -hmm. I was really blessed to, and he, he said, you've got to give Tom Myers a massage. And I was like, no, don't make me do that. And um, I did, and they were all, and Gary was waiting for me afterwards, and he was very sweet. There's another teacher called Joe Averson, who he was working with at the time, and, um, and that was all teacher training I was doing. And they were very, very, very supportive. And um, so I just loved the, the way that he took you into your own body and then connected it to others, to our environment. And how he weaved in the mm -hmm. physiology beautifully, um, with um, with hands-on uh, exp um, expression and um, yeah, his experience in um, not only in movement but cycling, sports. You know, his father's a big influence. You know, mm -hmm. he's still hurdling in his eighties. You know, mm -hmm. you know, he's got such a way of um, his graphic art uh, artist background. He was able to bring all of those gifts into his teaching. Um, so I'm, I continue to study with him now. I'm, I'm on one of his um, courses right now. Yeah, and, I saw that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and he, he also comes to India to teach with us when we were to be uh, mm -hmm. um, offering courses mm -hmm. for the past seven years. And so he, um, he really opened up some new doors and he, you know, he introduced into our training, you know, cranial sacral therapy. We met all of Vanda's, mm -hmm. um, people um uh, vanda um had met quite a few students going to her but we we were able he managed to get sandra sabatini elizabeth pounce who's my mentor and diane long and um some others um a wonderful pat sparrow who sadly left her body but she was amazing i remember she was teaching and Gary sat in the class and he recorded how many times she went to adjust or be with each person for each pose that she was teaching. And literally, it was like, it was hundreds of times. And he's, he fed back to us what he observed in her teaching. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget that because um, she was so present. She talked continuously. It was like a, a it was like a, mm -hmm. a shruti note. It was this continuous, stream of consciousness mm -hmm. but she was still able to demonstrate adjust be with people be mm -hmm. funny mm -hmm. and still teach mm -hmm. and he was very good at um, observing that and helping us to bring out our own um, unique uh, teaching for everybody that's mm -hmm. been on his teacher training we're all Mm -hmm. We're all pretty much, all of us, I think, everybody has mm -hmm. been on his training, are teaching or sharing. So, you know, that's what made him different. And then, of course, um, when he did his dissection with Julian, mm -hmm. um, I, I was like, yes, please. Mm -hmm. um, I've been on a few dissection, well, just working with body bits <laughs> with Julian. And when they did their um, course um, in Nottingham, 
three Kadamas, um, um, I was blown away. And this was a number of years ago now, four or five years ago, maybe longer, I can't remember. It still blows my mind. I still can't stop talking about it. I still bring it up with pretty much everybody. It just... Made, what made was it? Was, was blew your mind, yeah? Yeah, because I know you're dissecting right now. Um, last week. <laughs> I have, like, yeah, last week you were dissecting with Julian. Um, phenomenal teacher, by the way. Phenomenal. Um, what made me, what, said that again, what made me want you to do it? You said it blew your mind when, yes. you, when you were in dissection lab. What was it what, what blew your mind or fascinated you or deeply touched you, we have to say, right? Death leaving the body, being with people that had left their body, being with the body when um, they had left the building. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that absolutely blew my mind. And how Julian and Gary, um, we were encu- they encouraged us to honour that body. To um, We did a, um, a ritual before and after. Mm-hmm. Um, we even had flowers to put on the mm-hmm. coffin before they were being cremated. Everything was collected. Um, and then simply seeing that body and the, 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 the genius of, of, of Julian who was able to um, preserve that body without any formaldehyde but with a natural fix. And they would look like they were sleeping. And it was a soft fix and, and that also blew my mind. And then how I re- realized that I'd been searching outside of the body the whole time, you know, been to loads of ashrams, mm-hmm. been with loads of teachers and gurus. And I realized that all of that dropped away because the biggest teacher is what we have mm-hmm. behind the skin. Mm-hmm. And, and, and because I'm fascinated with feet, I thought that I would be at the feet or I was so blown away that I didn't know what to do next. I just, uh, I, I just mm-hmm. literally had to be in the flow. And I remember um, Julian said, there's always one person that has to do one of the worst jobs, which was um, I had to clean out all the, uh, the, um, uh, the, the last part of the intestines. And, um, and we cut her in half. We, he did, a, he did a, um, a frontal lobotomy. We held mm-hmm. the brain. We held the lungs. But he got me to clean out all the feces. And it was the best job I could ever have because it really... It really got me into the, the depths of this woman um, that we were, there was three, two, two women and one man. And how Gary and Julian held that space was exquisite. And um, Gary, particularly his graphic art and how he dissected the body and how he presented, for instance, a diaphragm to us um, was outstanding. Um, and it was, it was an artwork. And every day when I left the building, thankfully I was camping in my van and we were living by a lake so I could just literally jump in the water and walk in nature because I just had to um, decompress Mm -hmm. from an intense um, Mm -hmm. physical, emotional, everything, spiritual, mental uh, overload. Mm-hmm. And um, particularly one woman, I really admire her actually. She, one of the cadavers, reminded her of her dad that actually passed away quite soon before the dissection. And uh, it was a big emotional time for her. So that was really emotional for me. But yet, yeah, facing your own death, that's why I did it. I had to decompress from the overload by being in nature. 
And um, the major thing that I think I learned was still learning is facing our own, leaving our body. We all we all leave our body. You know, it was right there. It was right there. And I, you know, touching in every sense. Um, it was outrageous experience. So yeah, I. Um, I had to stay while I was doing the course. Um, I was living in a van, traveling in my in a, a Heimer, fabulous van. And uh, I jumped in the water every day to decompress um, and walked in nature. And I often, actually three of us um, that were on the course, afterwards, because we, we all met there. There was another guy in his van. We met there and uh, <laughs> we recorded our experiences and I often listen to it because um, it was so otherworldly. And, um, and I, one of the, and there are many, many, many take-homes, many messages that I got from that course. Um, one of them is that I, I realized I knew absolutely nothing after looking inside the body. Mm-hmm. I, I just what? I can't make any assumptions. I can't mm-hmm. rattle on about the psoas or anything like that. You know, it's, it's, just, it's, it's just so different to what I ever imagined, mm-hmm. that nothing is... Mm-hmm. Nothing is um, symmetrical. Everything is unique. Everybody is unique. I also had a cr- crazy dreams the night before we started, but um, uh, I, I, you know, you're really facing death. You know, you have this body where, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, the spirit or whatever, whatever name you want to put to who we are, had left the building, as I said, mm-hmm. and we were privileged to look inside somebody that they'd never seen. I was more intimate with that person than they could have ever been. And they gave the permission for you to do that. I remember Julian saying, look, go in, cut the body open. This is what they want you to do. This is why they've given their body to you. Go for it. You know, this is such an honor. Because at the beginning, you're like, with the superficial fascia and the skin, you're like, oh, scared to even cut. Where do I start? You know, you're standing there with the scalpel in this body and you're going, what do I do? And um, it was just outrageous. So um, I, I even realized that after holding the brain, after holding the lungs, um, how nothing can ever, ever touch or match who we are. No machine, no AI, nothing can mm-hmm. ever compare or merge with us, ever, 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 mm-hmm. because we... Like I, you know, I, I feel the same about animals completely. Um, I have a dog, as you can hear, you know, and it's um, that it, I feel that we're the same. I know that we can't pandiculate mm-hmm. the way that they can. Um, mm-hmm. Their pandiculation is my major inspiration right now. Um, mm-hmm. But um, that experience shifted me um, into a place of not knowing anything, but at the same time giving me absolute freedom. To realise that we are um, we are we are the ones that we are waiting for. A very famous Hopi mm-hmm. um, quote, mm-hmm. and uh, we have everything. Mm-hmm. The body gives us everything, and I and I thought now I know what that means. Our body is our temple, and um, I don't need to mm-hmm. follow some philosophy or some kind of linear mm-hmm. sequence. Um, it's just a being able to be fully present, just like when you know when you're giving someone, you know, you're holding someone's head, you're tuning into their mm-hmm. cranial sacral rhythm, you're tuning into their tides, 
I mean, it's completely and utterly present and it's unique to them. Mm-hmm. And that tide, you can feel your own tides responding mm-hmm. and our own waves interconnecting, our own roots melting. Um, and I realize that nature is, you know, <laughs> it's what we are nature. It's what we are nature. Mm-hmm. And we are an expression of that. So I'm still I, blown away. Still. I felt a real, that's so, it's so beautiful what you share, Helen. I felt, even though you're in Greece, I'm in the UK, but the moment you said, um, you've learned that our body is our temple, there was a real change. We enter a different space through Riverside, which flipping didn't work before, <laughs> but there was such a change. The space got more spacious the moment you put that into the space. That's our bodies, our temple. And I felt deeply touched when you said that. And before that, you also shared how you learned that our body is, is the one and only teacher we need. Our body is our best teacher. And it's all in here and not out there. And we hear it, we read it, we, and that's it. That's the message I'd so love to to share and I hope that many listeners right now maybe feel that change in it's a change in density when we drop into I have a body which is my temple Mm. an abundant body Mm. and I'm just thinking maybe you also mentioned the feet before how maybe you could give the listeners some inputs or an input how especially for people who who might wonder, well, how can I, how can I also get this experience or what are simple, what is a practice, maybe a very simple practice you do on a daily basis, which bring you in touch with that body is my teacher or which allow you to meet the temple of your body you are and you inhabit. Beautifully I'd said. I'd love to hear Beautifully. <laughs> and to share it with everyone who's listening. Beautifully said. So Iyengar says, um, and Gary often quotes this, um, our skin is the outer layer of the brain. So um, as I'm sitting here talking with you, how I can touch myself is I'm noticing the breeze on my skin and that it's warm and that my tummy's just rumbled and I can feel the different textures that my feet are touching. So I've got one foot on the floor, on pebbles. I've got one foot on the, on the chair, so different textures. And as the feet start, as I start to visualize the feet, I'm getting a tingling sensation mm-hmm. in the soles of my feet. So the sensory nerve endings in my feet are beginning to open, so they feel kind of spongy. And there's lots of crickets um, in the background, so those crickets are kind of getting me in contact with the back of my ribs and I feel like there's a butterfly um, gliding sliding and gliding and the wings over the back of my ribs and up my neck from the crickets. And I'm under a sail. I have a sunroof and my friend made a sail. So it's a beautiful reminder of how the body is. So these constant reminders from um, our outside environment, epigenetics, how we can feel that on the inside. So that's the kind of thing I do every day is wherever I'm at, um, 
generally outside most of the time. I try to be outside or in the sea, especially. Um, I just allow, I allow that to absorb through the outer layer of my mm -hmm. brain, the skin. And especially because I wear um, goggles when I'm swimming, the, the reflection of the water on the bottom of the sea is often in rainbow colors and it's continuously movement moving in this um, pulsing wave-like um, frequency, um, which we are. Um, and quite often I have these, uh, the, the beautiful word Corona, uh, the, the sun rays going into um, the water like laser beams and they go right down into a, a prism. I often see that when I'm swimming in deeper water. That's what helps me remind me that um, I am the body and the body holds everything and it um, doesn't let you get away with anything. The body, um, the biology, the bi um, as Caroline Meese says, Caroline Meese, our biology and our biography are the same. So that, that, that really, that quote always hits me. And um, so that's what I tend to do is just keep reminding myself that I am, connect I am connected to nature. Mm -hmm. My roots are like the roots of a tree through my feet and um, sensing my spine when I breathe, try to drop in. So I just stand somewhere, either on the beach or outside here or wherever I am, sometimes even in the car. And I sense um, just allowing my spine to show me how many directions or how it's moving with the breath, how the breath and the spine are moving and how the organs are being affected by the breath. So for me, it's a very internal sensation. And then, mm -hmm. then I'll move and it'll be dancing or whatever, whatever I feel like doing. So sometimes it's with weight, mm -hmm. sometimes it's dancing most of the time it's rolling around on the floor <laughs> um wow. so yeah just just feeling mm -hmm. and connecting to nature that's i think mm -hmm. my biggest inspiration mm -hmm. I, or, or if i'm mm -hmm. if i'm just about to go for a swim my dog's normally with me and, and i watch him pandiculate into down dog and up dog or i watch him um just you know he's you know um continuously up um working with his nervous system like with a sigh or a deep so-called stretch pandiculatory mm -hmm. stretch um, mm -hmm. so so inspiring how his nervous system mm -hmm. keeps coming through his movement mm -hmm. how he up regulates how he down regulates how he you know balances himself <sighs> so and also what, sounds to me like yeah. an invitation to drop to allow our to drop our mind into into the vastness of our skin, the vastness of that potential to, to sense, to feel, to just allow our brains. That's the image which helps me so much to allow our so hardworking brains for one moment yeah. to melt and to, to almost become one with the sensory apparatus we are and to just, to just perceive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One great um, person I'm inspired by, um, she talks about um, reawaken. So um, one of her suggestions is to, and there, there's nothing to follow, there's nothing to do, there's nothing to be. Just one suggestion to every day is just to, she calls it absorbing pure love. So um, you just sit 
or stand, lie down, whatever you want to do. And I often just look at mm-hmm. the ocean because it's right here and uh, see what happens. And it's it's quite it's quite outrageous when um, you respond to what's coming up, mm-hmm. if anything's coming up, and uh, that can open up such such a lot of mm-hmm. so many pathways. And often, mm-hmm. and what I noticed. Um, I remember John Sturck, a very wonderful and inspirational teacher. Um, we always talked about when, when you're in those places of so-called, you know, connection, whatever you want to call it, presence, your biggest insights come. So um, often an yes. answer to a question or um, mm-hmm. an idea um, creates itself in those moments. And um, that's when I often write things down or record something or mm-hmm. um, just mm-hmm. just to um, keep feeding my own sharing because, um, you know, I'm continuously doing courses, Feldenkrais or with Gary or I um, did one with Bonnie Bainbridge-Cohen recently, which is quite out there. And, uh, you know, or speaking to people like you, um, I'm learning mm-hmm. so much from my colleagues, Rupert, mm-hmm. Rupert, Brew and Steve, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mentor Elizabeth, who is just mm-hmm. uh, a real backbone. So constantly, constantly um, uh, feeding uh, my curiosity. Field. curiosity. You have such a curious mind, Helen, and that's so inspiring. Thank mm-hmm. you. Being mm-hmm. curious, yeah, mm-hmm. that's exactly. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that word. Wow, you have. You have shared so many wonderful and touching and playful <laughs> things and events about your journey today, Helen. And I might well have to, I'd love to invite you for a part two, because I think the other big topic where you have so much to give, and I'm sure many listeners would love to hear about is how do you now use movements in your practice and you I agree Gary encourages all his students to find their very unique style of teaching and you teach Helen yoga I would teach Florina yoga Um, and I think for a part two that's what would be lovely to dive deeper into how do you use movement and touch from the background you shared with us today where you come from today in your practice when you teach and Yeah, for today, before we round this conversation up, I I would like to one more time post a question, just ask, is there one thing right now in this moment from the conversation, is there one thing which you would like our listeners to take with them right now? I take with me from today the big reminder that our body, my body is my temple and I can trust that inner calling <laughs> and path of passion, just knowing it's it's all right. Um, and yeah, I would like to ask you, what is that one thing you would like to take the listeners with them right now? Wonderful questions, Farina. I'm so proud of you. This brilliant, brilliant interviewer. Thank you. Um, what's coming up, what's arising in me is... Um, a great teaching, uh, it's not a teaching, a reminder from an inspirational person I, I listen to is to not censor yourself, is to be truly yourself and allow yourself to be 
who you need to be in expressing, for me it's movement, and not to give yourself, not to hold yourself back, and to be fully, you know, have your, express your inner freedom, because that's your uniqueness and your gift to yourself and to um, whoever you're sharing with. And I think, I feel being yourself is the only way to be. And the biggest lesson for me right now is allowing others to be themselves <laughs> as well. <laughs> Even harder lesson. Much, just especially those close to you. Giving yes. spaciousness, as Gary says, you, we want to move with space into space. Mm -hmm. I love that quote. And uh, um, giving that spaciousness for others to be themselves. That's a continuous journey, very hard one for me. So, yeah. Don't self-censor. That's wonderful. I love that. I love all you said right now in the in the end. And I will take that with me. And I'm sure many other, many listeners will take that with them as well. Thank you. Helen, I'm always fascinated how we can connect via internet and Riverside and microphone. And you are in Greece, I'm in the UK. And I felt you <laughs> throughout the whole conversation. And yeah, just huge gratefulness that you took your time to talk to me and to us. And I hope to welcome you back soon. There is more to talk with you about and to share Absolutely. with the world. Absolutely. Thank you, Florina. It's my absolute pleasure. you enjoyed this episode that you gained a lot of inspiration and insights and that it widened your horizon just as much as mine and as always i'm looking forward to reading your thoughts and comments about it on instagram or facebook or any podcast platform you're listening from at the moment tell me what did you take from this episode and how did it inspire your path and journey You can see where to find me and The Breathing Body in the show notes. And as always, a huge thank you to the amazing band Aspirin, which is playing the wonderful intro and outro music, which is movement in itself. You can find the full track and all their details in the show notes too. I wish you a wonderful day and week or weekend or evening, wherever you are. Trust your feet body and heart. Love, Serena. Mm -hmm.